Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to sign up for the free Mark Stuchowski Insider Community. It's kind of like a Facebook group without Facebook. It's it's on my website, so there's no ads or tracking or any of that bad stuff. It's just lots of talk about what you read about and the Mark Suchowski Insider here on the podcast or what I talk about on social media. So if you're interested in joining, you can click the link in the show notes or go to mrproductivity.com to join the Mark Stuchowski Insider Community. Today's guest is Corey Kogan. She is the Franklin Covey Vice President of Global Field Development, and she leads the productivity practice. She is the co-author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Five Choices, The Path to Extraordinary Productivity. It's an incredible value-packed episode, so let's get right to it. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Well, I am excited to talk to you because you are a productivity geek like I am. And, you know, there's someone should come up with a joke. Two productivity experts walk into a bar. I just I just feel that's a joke out there waiting to be written. There you go. Sounds good to me. (laughs) But I'm not a comedian, so I'm not going to attempt to write that joke. Are you a comedian? Uh, you know, I I could be, but probably not right on the spot. But you know, <laughs> bars bars are good, so I'm a martini drinker. So there you go, I'm in. <laughs> well, we'll lay the gauntlet out for the listener. If you could come up with a joke that starts with two productivity experts walking to a bar, uh, let me know. Send me a message through MrProductivity.com or through social media because I'm not that funny. <laughs> I can't come up with something like that. But I know someone is listening to this conversation who's really creative, and they'll come up with a really. Maybe we'll get several. Uh, great entry. So maybe anyways, so you are a very important person. You're a VIP because you are the vice president, uh, not America, but a global field development for the Franklin Covey uh, company. And um, so how long have you been working there? You know, I've, uh, it's been such a, a, a ride uh, and fast. So for the past uh, now, almost may will be 14 years, really wow. Really unbelievable, and have uh, played a number of executive roles as well as, um, you know, being the subject matter expert. And I say that expert carefully because I think I'm more of a laboratory rat around productivity. Mm. So it's been really, really great. Now, you are a co author of a best selling book called The Five Choices The Path to Extraordinary Productivity. In addition, you also are involved with Project Management Essentials for the un- unofficial project manager and presentation advantage. So you seem like you're a writer and you know your way around the world of productivity. So tell us a little bit. If someone came to you, Corey, and said, okay, Corey, I've got 15 seconds before my, my cab arrives or my Uber or Lyft shows up here, what is your number one productivity tip? That you need to be... That, that you have to remember that this is not about time management, that we are all knowledge workers, paid to think, innovate, create, and execute. And so the brain is the number one tool around productivity, and we need to get really intentional about making the highest value decisions during the day, staying very focused uh, and not distracted, and having the energy to be able to do those first two things. That's well, my number one tip. 
So if someone goes, okay, you piqued my interest, Corey, I'll, I'll, I'll get another Uber. I, tell me a little bit more about how I can do that because it sounds really interesting. Well, so, you know, when you start with how do you make the highest value decisions, you really need to have a pro, the brain requires a process. This really is uh, around the brain. I've done a lot of work uh, around learning neuroscience, neuroleadership, because we are paid to think, innovate, and execute. So your brain needs process. So if we said, well, you need to be more intentional about everything coming in, it's like, okay, I'm looking at all my email. What do I do with that? So with the process, you know, we use a process called the time matrix, where it's the word important and urgent put together and creates a matrix. And when you get your head really clear around what are the most important things that you need to do, and then mitigate or eliminate things in this process like immediate crises or things that are just distractions or things that I go to excess on because I'm all burnt out. When you start to mitigate and eliminate those things intentionally, it leaves the space for what's really, you know, for, the, for how, to, how I get the most important things done. So really doing that, discerning every incoming through that process and making a good decision is really how you get you go to sleep at night feeling accomplished. Not perfect. It's not going to work every time. Let's be real. But I will say, Mark, particularly right now in the circumstances we're, we're in with coronavirus, I've been asked a lot about remote work and everybody's living together and stuff like that. And how do you really, how do you really get your arms around that? And I've put that into, boiled that down to, there's three areas I need to really focus on. Number one, how do I do quality work when my desk might be in the closets and I have three kids around me? How do I do quality family while trying to do quality work? And how do I take care of myself? So getting that really important and then starting to peel away at the rest is really how this process should work. And somebody should really go at it to feel relief in this time that we're in. A lot of people I have come across, whether on social media or through email or whatnot, are struggling because when they went to work, they would get up in the morning, they would do their morning routine, get the family, get the kids off of school, you know, drive to work, and they'd work eight to five, nine to six, whatever the hours would be, come home, have dinner, time with the family, and repeat it the next day. Now they don't go to work, and so now they're like, what do I do? And one of the things I learned from my long-distance mentor, which means I've never met the man, uh, Brendan Burchard, is you should have a set routine that you do seven days a week, pandemic or not, or vacation or not, you do this routine every day. So I still wake up every morning and do my morning routine. And I structure my day, even though I work from home, I still have a structure for my day. Because if you don't have a structure for your day, as you very well know, Corey, then you're going to spend a lot more time wasting, I should say, with social media or binge watching Netflix or doing things that aren't really going to move the needle. And so I, and the number one tip I give the people, especially during a time like this is the day before sit down and say, okay, what do I want to do tomorrow? Okay. I have to homeschool the kids for X amount of hours. I want to work on my business for X amount of hours. I want to spend time with the family for X amount of hours. And then actually pencil it all in because believe it or not, kids like like structure too. They go to school, they have class at, you know, this class at this time and this class at this time. And so everybody I think will do better in terms of productivity when they have a structured day. And I think if you don't have structure, as like I said earlier, if you're just used to going to work and now you're home, that lack of structure is really going to kick your productivity in the teeth. 
So all so, such good information that you're saying, and I go back, and I'm not a neuroscientist. I just spend a lot of time with it, knowing it really is key to human behavior and accomplishment. And so the brain requires structure. That's yes. the whole survival mechanism in the back of our, you know, the back of our brain where it wants routines. It wants, that's what habits are. It, it, it wants these processes. So you're right. And the more you feed that, the happier the brain is because it knows where it's going. So it's saying, oh, this person is healthy. They're going to survive. And then lets you work in your prefrontal cortex, the front of your brain, lets you do what humans, only humans can do, which is think and innovate, create and execute. So the two pieces there, yes, on the structure, that structure is really important, like you said, whether during the pandemic or beyond it, even as we think about recovery. And then also, like you said, sitting down and doing that planning, we call it weekly daily planning, even taking it, uh, you know, enhancing what you said to before the week starts, think about what are the few most important things that I need to get done in the following week before you start getting you know, crazed with everything coming right at you on Monday morning or whatever day it is, get those things in your calendar. And then every day, sit down, cross off those things that are complete, you know, move things to a different day, but allow the structure of your day and your planning systems to work together so that you go to sleep at night feeling, you know, like, you know what, there was a million things that went on crazed with the kids, but I got stuff done in the key areas that I that I needed to do. So it's a great process overall. Yes, and I think you you said the word I love really at the start of the show, intentionality. And people need to be intentional. And one of the, the ideas I've been sharing with my audience is to create a list. What happens is you sit down and go, okay, what do I want to do tomorrow? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I what I put down in there. But if you took the time and you had this list, you could be it could be an app on your phone, it could be the notes app, it could be a physical notebook. And every time you come up with an idea that's something you'd like to do, it could be clean out the garage, it could be go through your closet for the old clothes, whatever the case may be, you put it on the list. That way, when you sit down and go, okay. I know I'm going to, I'm going to homeschool the kids for two hours tomorrow. I'm going to work on my business for two hours. Okay. That leaves me four or five hours. What am I going to do? Oh, I've got the list that Mark told me about. Now I go to the list and go, Oh, you know what? I've been meaning to do this thing that's been on my list. But if you don't have that list, then you sit there and go, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. And then you start doing silly things. And so I think creating a list and a nonstop list that you just keep adding on to the rest of your life that you can go to and pull things from is being proactive instead of sitting there with a blank screen blank look on your face in front of a blank screen and go, I don't know. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, well, I can remember everything. Well, you can't. <laughs> and it's a great relief uh, to write things down. So I'm sure many of you listeners in the middle of the night wake up and say, oh, I have to do this or I should do that. And, and even there, you should have something nearby where you can write things down. So, and we call this the master task list that you should have one place, actually, not 12 different lists. Yes. But if you want to be really effective and efficient, I know where my one list is, whether it's a notes app or uh, whatever it might be. And then I would just take that perhaps a step further to say, let me prioritize that list. Because a lot of people tend, well, it may go, and I know that's not what you meant, but a lot of people will go straight down the list mm -hmm. versus going back to what I said before about making the highest value decisions. 
How do you look at that list and say, let me prioritize, you know, for this week, these are the few, or tomorrow, these are the few most important things I need to get done. And these, I got to, I got to admit to myself, and I do this too, you know, I get overwhelmed and it's like, oh, let me just answer these emails, you know, because it sort of feels important, you know, it feels important, but it's mm-hmm. really avoidance. And so you have that intentional word is just, I'm so glad it's one of your favorites because that's, you know, we call this, you know, work muscle, productivity muscle. You got to build this muscle. And so to really be candid with yourself, look at that list and say, you know what, that's not really as important as I think it is. And, you know, and if you're a leader, should I be delegating some of the things on my list the right way to other people? So just make sure that with that list, that master task list, you are prioritizing and making sure you're always working on those things that are most important. Unless you're a nerd like me, so I can look at the list and I can really quickly scan through it and pick out the ones that are going to serve me tomorrow. But if you're just starting out, don't do that because it takes a certain amount of discipline and skill to go through there. And I can quickly scan it, come up with my list, but I love the prioritization. And you mentioned something about how, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, it's a waste of time when sometimes you go get in the email. I had a client once who mastered like productivity apps. I mean, he was a master. And I said, you know, that's kind of a form of procrastination because he probably could teach the people who created the app how to use the app, but he had so much stuff in his app. I mean, it was just cluttered everywhere and he just kept moving it from day to day to day. And so taking the time and learning how to use an app or a notebook or whatever the case may be is fine. But if you spend over, uh, like over a couple, if you think you need to know 30 minutes is enough to learn the app and you're spending four, five, six, seven hours on it. Now that's a form of procrastination because now you're not using the app for what it's doing. It's kind of like you got a brand new hammer and then you spend three hours or you know, three days learning how to use all the ways you can use a hammer. Well, it's still sitting there. You haven't used it yet. So at some point you learn how to use whatever tool you're have to, you want to learn how to use, then you have to start using the tool. And so I think it's very dangerous and people don't think it's a form of procrastination. When you spend a lot of time learning how to do stuff, that's great. But there comes a time when you have to start doing. Yeah. I think the cousin of that is um, paralysis by analysis. Yes. Uh, where a lot of times people will, or, or they, they, the need to be perfect, where you are productive to a point, and then the law of diminishing returns comes into play, where it's like, no, I can't hand it in, I can't hand it in, I can't hand it in, and uh, now you're doing work that's not really important, and it's a, it, become, it becomes a waste of time. So I'm with you on that. One of my favorite tools, productivity tools, that people... Everyone has access to this tool, but we forget about it. It's the timer on our phones. One of the, one of the tips I give people who are addicted to social media, and that's a really big issue, is addiction to social media. Is I say you got to set your timer on your phone, and I don't mean a timer that's like angels where you know in butterfly wings. I mean it's real like a drill sergeant. Because if you don't have something to jolt you after you set the timer for thirty minutes, that's how people spend four, five, six hours playing games or surfing social media. There's nothing to stop them other than them passing out because they're too tired to get off of social media and. People are like, well, do you have an app for that? I'm like, yeah, it's called a timer. It's on your phone. Why don't you use that? I mean, it's right there. It goes everywhere with you. But a lot of people, they they want the shiny new uh, app in the app store when they have this timer on their phone. Yes. And they also have a brain. Yes. <laughs> so let me, let me um, 
just explain that. I, I am a big believer. So a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, Facebook is a waste of time or playing games is a waste of time. I don't think they're a waste of time. If somebody, you know, in any business or at home feels like playing words with friends is a way they want to relax or they want to research something and they take 10 or 15 minutes or 30 minutes, like you say, to do that. And then that refreshes them to go back to work. It's, it's all good. Uh, it's when it becomes excessive, like you, you said, and only each person can make that decision. We yes. can't, we can't decide for somebody that you're spending, you spend know, it. Oh no, it's 15 minutes. You should have only done it for 10. And it goes back to this relationship with those things that are most important. So if I'm really clear on what's important and I'm really focused on getting something done with quality on time or spending time with my spouse or partner or kids or whatever, and I'm checking out social media, then yes, if I need a timer, by all means, I should. But I also, my discipline, my intentionality to say all these companies are know how to get your attention. And it's on you to really build that muscle in your head to say, nope, I got to get back to this project. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I've taken my 10 minute break and, you know, on whatever I want to do on social media and I got to get back to work. So it's both the timer and then our own brains and hearts and minds around what's important that will help will help control that. And people have to stop and understand that social media are the people that came up with endless scrolling. They are the ones that came up with, you know, constantly feeding you new content. If you watch a YouTube yep. video, it just says, Corey, if you like that video, you like these other 12 videos and you just keep clicking right. and clicking. Um, Netflix and Hulu and Apple TV plus and Disney plus, they just feed you the next episode one after another. So they're not doing that for a convenience. They don't want you to leave the platform. So they're not your friend. You right. we have to practice what's known as adulting and say, okay, um, I'm going to watch two hours of TV tonight. And that's it. So maybe you watch two shows or two episodes or whatever, and then you have to get up and go do something else. If you don't, those shows will continuously feed you shows. And so, like you said, you have to take personal responsibility and say, okay, enough's enough. That's why I don't ever turn the TV on until at least five o'clock in the evening. It doesn't go on at all because I know if I get involved in the program, then I'm not going to be doing the work I do. And even though we're in this global pandemic, I'm still working seven days a week. I'm still serving my clients. I'm interviewing people like you and I'm on social media and I'm creating content for people. And so I know that I got to limit myself from watching TV and I don't spend a lot of time on social media at all. And people are astounded that you can actually, believe it or not, you can actually be on social media posting and not consuming. If you're posting things to build your business, your brand, to promote your cause, that's a good thing. The consuming I'm talking about is when you're endlessly scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and just going through all those videos one after another, and you're not watching to learn, you're watching like cute dog videos or funny videos. That's really not, I, I'm, I'm just going out on a limb here. It's probably not going to move the needle toward the goals you have in life. Yeah. And it's funny because last night we were watching a television show and it was one of those. It was a 30 minute show. So figure 26 minutes, you know, or 20 minutes, mm -hmm. minus, you know, because minus commercials. And then it only allowed two seconds before <laughs> the next episode started. And I'm like, this is crazy. And I thought about that because these companies, with all due respect to them, they have scientists who are working yep. on how to capture your uh, attention. So, you know, that's really key. And, you know, social media is a very good, um, 
you know, it's, it's a very, very helpful if used, uh, you know, properly and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, correctly. So we, we need, we need to own that. I think it's funny because I'm 54 and when I talk to people who are like in their teens, they look at me like I'm a dinosaur. They're like, how did you survive without social media and without cell phones? I'm like, well, I am here. So apparently I did okay. And, nice. and I said, and I'd like to really freak him out and say, you know, I remember when you used to get in your car without your phone because it was attached to the wall. And like, mm-hmm. how did you find how to get places? We had these paper maps. Like, what? I'm like, it's not like this technology isn't like, like a thousand years old. It's brand new. It's still wet behind the ears. And these younger kids, you know, if you're less than 20, you, you don't understand what life was you know, before the internet and they go, what'd you do after school? I'd said, I'd go outside and play soccer or football or basketball or, or kickball. I mean, I went outside and like outside. It's like this strange concept with these kids. It's funny. Well, yes. And there's also, I, 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 I get that. And I'm sure when you and I were growing up, there were things like, <laughs> really people lived without a telephone. You yeah. know, I don't get that. How'd that happen? <laughs> or party line. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, there's also a lot of research out there around uh, adults also that are so addicted to their technology that the children are suffering from competing for their parents' love, you know, between the parent and the cell phone. So there's a lot of reverse, you know, and and social media. So there's a lot of reverse in that too. It's not just the youngsters, but us oldsters too have to be careful that we are spending quality time, et cetera, with the children and not making the children feel like they're being ignored totally because of social media and technology addictions. Have you ever heard of Cal Newport? Not in, uh, uh, only the name. Okay. I can't, uh, I can't take it beyond that. He wrote a, he wrote two of my favorite books I've ever read. One is called Deep Work and the other is called Digital Minimalism. And that, in, that's, yes, I read that book. Yeah. And in Digital Minimalism, he talks about, you know, it's okay to leave your house without your phone. And, right. and so my wife and I both own cellular Apple watches. And so, we started an experiment when back in the day we used to go to church. Remember, we used to leave the house to go to church. Um, we would leave our phones mm-hmm. at home, and people go, "Well, you're cheating. You have a, you have a cellular watch." I say, "Yeah, you can't surf the internet. You can't be on social media. If I, if I want to make a phone call, or I can maybe text if I really wanted to, but it was so freeing because you walk out of the house. We even do a shopping when we do when we go shopping now. It's like you don't need to bring the phone with you because ninety nine percent of the time you're probably going someplace you know how to get there." And now if you go on a trip or someplace unfamiliar, yeah, take your phone with the maps and all that stuff. But it's amazing when people go, where's your phone? I'm like, I left it home. It's like, why? I'm like, I don't need it. It's like, how are you surviving? And they, they go through this whole, like, like, are you okay? Or like, no, I'm fine. It's like, it's so strange to people to leave their house without their technology. It's like, they have to take their phone to the mailbox. It's like, you're just going to get the mail or you're bringing the trash barrel back. Why do you need to have your phone? But you're right. We have gotten to a point now. We always have to have our technology with us because you're probably old enough to remember when the only time you knew what was going on in the world is if you watched the evening news or the morning paper. There was no 24 7, 365 news. You had, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when this is ABC, CBS, and NBC, right. and uh, PBS. There was, I remember when it was before Fox, and the president was on 
either watched the president, watched PBS, or did something else. And now you have a billion channels to choose from. Yeah, I and I I can say I remember, you know, I grew up in New York, so it was, you know, those three, and then there were a couple locals like Channel 5, Channel 11, uh, you, you know, et cetera. And I, you know, Mark, I'm, I'm human. And there are others times when I am going, particularly now, you know, the big thing now is we get to take out the garbage and we get to go to the mailbox. <laughs> and um, so those are big moments for me and the dog. And so I also, I'm like, do I need to take my phone? Do I not need to take my phone? So I'm, I'm as human as the rest. It is very addicting. And just a a real quick understanding of why that's happening. I'm going to take it back to the brain again. You know, the brain has two operating uh, principles. One is that it avoids threat. Mm-hmm. And the other is that it looks for reward. And yep. in that order, and it doesn't change. So with our phone, you know, when it rings or it buzzes or vibrates, that's the unknown. And the brain wants to know. And then on top now, so that's the, that's the threat. Is it a threat? I need to know. And then it's like, oh, wow, my phone's ringing. Somebody needs me. And that's reward. (laughs) So it's this perfect storm of the brain that is what brings us so close to us that we feel like we can't live without it because it's an amazing cocktail of what the brain, what drives us to survival and pleasure. So just just an interesting tidbit there as I in my humanity, fight the urge also. Several years ago, someone on LinkedIn gave me the hashtag Mr. Productivity. So I've been using it ever since. And what's funny is my wife is Mrs. Anti-Productivity. And I talk about her all the time. We have discussions, but you know, it's really difficult to uh, coax someone that you're really close to. And the other day she opened her mail on her Mac and it had 9999 plus. I'm like, oh, I started having heart palpitations. And she goes, sorry about that. I'm like, can you just like Turn those notifications. Can you turn that badge count off? Because for a productivity guy, I I, I don't like seeing those badge counts because they really cause me um, anxiety because I don't like things that are not, you know, that are that high. One, two, three, four, less, you know, less than double digits I'm okay with. But when you have 99,999 unread emails, that really causes me um, you know, to get uh, breakout and cold sweats and shivers. And I just, it's just, I, to me, it's just like, because I used to be that person. People don't realize that. Now I can I can check my email like every hour because I don't get that much email. I worked really hard to get my email box so it's really in contained. But I used to be that person. And I don't want to ever go back to that because if you have that many unread emails, there's probably a lot of emails in there that you really want to see, but you can't find them. And so I really work overtime to make sure my email box is clean. And when like I connect with someone on LinkedIn and then all of a sudden I'm added to their email list, which by the way is a violation of the LinkedIn in terms of services and also federal law in Canada, United States and Europe. You can't do that. And so it kind of irritates me. So I report them as spam because I know how that affects their, their email service provider ratings. But I'm really careful about what goes in my inbox. I only want things I want in my inbox. I don't want people to add me to your list unless I add myself. Yeah. And, you know, there's two schools of thought because um, particularly when it comes to the the Google mentality, uh, which is all good, theirs is about, you know, search. That it's, it doesn't matter uh, how many emails you have in your inbox, you can search for whatever you want. That's one school of thought. And then the second school of thought, which is what you're talking about here, is reducing your inbox down. I subscribe to that school. And I figure if I can keep my 
like right now, I think I have 16 or 17 emails. Sometimes that, you know, explodes up to a couple hundred, but then I do set without it becoming an obsession, right? Like we said before, like any app, I'll set aside time. It used to be when I was on air, I travel very heavily. So this is the first time in many, 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 many years I'm home as much as I am. So it used to be on airplanes um, between cities or countries that I would methodically clean out my inbox and use some, you know, some things, Outlook, if you're using Outlook and even Google, there's some things in there that are like the best kept secrets around turning them into productivity engines. One of my favorite to your point is setting rules Mm -hmm. because it automates decision-making. So if I'm getting spam or whatever, you, you know, uh, you can set up rules that pre-decide for you. So it, it cuts down a little bit on the mental work that you need to, to do around decision-making to clean out your inbox. So I'm with you. Keep it, keep it down. It makes me feel better. Yes. And I will tell people, if your inbox is out of control, it didn't get out of control overnight, you're not going to dig out uh, overnight. And when I don't when I tell people, don't ever do this, don't select all and delete or select all and archive because you haven't, we already talked about this. You haven't changed the behavior. So if right. you just like delete everything in your inbox, well, you're still going to get those emails tomorrow because you haven't corrected the behavior. Uh, don't change, don't get a new email address because you haven't addressed the behavior. So we keep going back to the brain. You have to make wise decisions. So before you give your email address to the opt-in because you want that PDF, which studies have shown you're not going to read anyways, because I've been there. I've done the same thing. I, I opted in to get a PDF, a video, a course, never looked at it. Ask yourself, you know full well, if you're giving someone your email address, they're going to email you again. So ask yourself, is this going to be something of value? I get four newsletters you know, that's only, I think, yeah, I'm number four now. Did I read? I actually read everyone that comes through. Now, if I start finding myself not reading them, I don't archive them. I unsubscribe because number right. one, they're paying for that email to be sent to you. And I have respect for these people who send me emails. So if I'm no longer getting value from their email and I, I want the same people for the Mark Stuchowski Insider newsletter, if you're not getting value, just unsubscribe. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to help you. But if you're not getting value or if you're not reading my email, go ahead and unsubscribe. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I want to be one less email you have to worry about. Yeah. And I, I, I methodically unsubscribe. Here's a very interesting twist, uh, not to go into the depths of psychology here. Once you unsubscribe, it does reduce the amount of emails coming in. And a lot of times I find people, again, it's the way our brains got wired to pleasure, to reward, that somehow subconsciously the number of emails, the more emails I get, it shows that I'm I'm more productive, that Uh. I'm... (laughs) <laughs> and and so when you start unsubscribing, it's like, wait, I'm nobody knows I'm a rat. Why aren't I getting anything? It is it, a another, and this is widely uh, out there from my press interviews uh, with some of the magazines and stuff around the difference between being busy and being productive, because a lot of people will validate themselves and say, oh, I'm, I was so busy today, and the other person says, oh, but I was busier than you. <laughs> And that becomes the badge of honor around productivity. And that's sort of emails too, versus changing your mindset around that and your behavior, like you said, with your email or life in general to say, you know what? It was a terrible, crazy busy day. 
I'm home with the kids. They were, you know, all, uh, you know, we got some homework done, but they were in my office and I still managed to get these couple of projects done with quality and uh, kiss the kids and, you know, watched a movie before we went to bed. That's productivity. So went off on your email thing, but it's very similar. No, I already had my rant on this show, so don't worry about it. But I would, <laughs> I want to tell people that if you don't have a productive day, it's okay. Extend yourself some grace. You, you're not a robot. Right. If you're not feeling it, hey, listen, you had a bad day. It's okay. And I tell people, you know, if, you know, if you have four or five bad days in a row, that's different. But if you have a bad day or like I work from home, so if I'm not feeling it, I'll just, and I don't have any coaching clients or podcast interviews, I'll just take the rest of the day off because I work seven days a week and I know the odds are I'm going to have a bad day every now and then. So extend yourself grace. If you're not feeling it, don't be so hard on yourself. Your, your productivity is going to ebb and flow by the day, maybe even by the hour. You may be sick. You may have allergies. You may have, you know, someone in your family may be ill. So just give yourself some grace. Yes. And I have been in, in keynotes uh, around the world. I have been known to say uh, that for me, sometimes just getting one email done well is like, okay, yes. that made my day. <laughs> so, so sometimes it's just one little thing. Like you said, this life is life happens. And so give yourself grace and know that the definition of productivity is not I did a million things and everything on my list and, you know, all of that, you will kill yourself and drive yourself crazy and feel like a failure because you're setting up totally unrealistic expectations. But sometimes really good productivity is I got w that one thing that I really needed to do well, I got it done. And so I'm good. Yeah. Or there's the person who has 10 things on their list of things to do today. Nine of them take less than three minutes. They get the nine done, but the one thing they really need to work on yes. was number one, and they feel real good because I got nine of the 10 things done. I'm like, no, that's a cop out. You didn't do the one thing you should have done. You should have let the other nine go till tomorrow. And so it goes both ways on that. And that goes back to the task list, right? Yes. And prioritizing what is it? Because sometimes the most difficult things get put to the bottom and you should tackle that and go to the easier things a little later. 100%. Well, Corey, we talked about a lot on the show today. So thank you for everything you shared with us. Where can we find you online and more about you? Uh, you can find uh, info about myself, our, the, the work that we do around productivity and a number of other practice areas on www.franklincovey.com. And then you can uh, look for the five choices uh, in any of our solutions. So that's uh, how to find us. And that link will be in the show notes. So just go to the show notes and click on the link. It'll take you right there. Corey, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute delight talking to another productivity expert um, because I geek out over this stuff and I'm so thrilled you were on the show today. Mark, it was a real delight having this conversation with you. I hope it's uh, a value to your audience and it was certainly a value to me listening to you and learning some more. So thank you and stay he healthy, happy, uh, and productive. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to mrproductivity.com and join the free Mark Stuchowski Insider Community. Let's talk about what you just heard on the podcast today or what you've read in the Mark Stuchowski Insider or what I post on social media. It's there for you. It's 
like a Facebook group without Facebook. No ads, no tracking. It's just great content. The Mark Stucheski Insider Community. You can either click the link in the show notes or go to MrProductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.